0: Hey, listeners, we wanted to begin this episode by letting you know that black lives matter. It's as simple as that. We as theater artists would be nowhere without the influence and collaboration of black and indigenous creators. Theater as an art form would be nothing without the influence and collaboration of black and indigenous artists. To our black, indigenous and other listeners of color, we love you. We stand with you. We promise to educate ourselves in every way possible and to amplify your voices to no end. To our white listeners, please take time to learn. Educate yourself and those around you. Challenge your own privilege. No matter what level of woke you believe you have achieved, there is always more work that can be done. In the show notes, you can find a link to a link tree for a massive list of educational resources and a spreadsheet of all of the Black-owned businesses in Los Angeles. That's for you to support uh, if you're local or, you know, when you come to visit us. You can check out our Instagram as well for more info and resources. As a podcast, Theater Theater had already planned to highlight Black playwrights in our first season, but... We had initially planned to have guests for each one, and unfortunately, and fortunately, we are a social distancing podcast, so once we are able to be in the same room with our guests and not have to deal with the demonic Zoom recordings, we will begin our Black Playwright Spotlight. Until then, we will continue to pursue choosing diverse playwrights to cover that we feel qualified to discuss amongst the three of us. To celebrate the midway point of Pride Month, today we're covering Tony Kushner a playwright who you know, even if you don't think you do. Please enjoy. Black Lives Matter. We love you.
1: First week of November, in the men's room of the offices of the Brooklyn Federal Court of Appeals, Lewis is crying over the sink. Joe enters.
2: Oh, um, morning. Good morning, Counselor. Sorry, I I, I don't know your name. Don't
0: bother. Word processor. Lowest of the low. Uh,
2: Joe Pitt. I'm with the Justice Wilson.
0: Oh, I know that. Counselor Pitt. Chief clerk.
2: Were you... uh, are you okay? Oh, yeah. Thanks. What a nice man. Not so nice. What? Not so nice. Nothing. You sure you're... Life sucks
0: shit. (laughs) Life just sucks shit. What's wrong? Run in my nylons. Uh, Sorry? Forget it. Look, thanks for asking. Well, I... I mean, it really is nice of you. (laughs) I'm sorry.
2: I'm sorry? Sick friend? Oh, I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's sweet. Three of your colleagues have preceded you to this baleful site, and you're the first one to ask. The others just opened the door, saw me, and fled. I hope they had to pee real bad.
1: Joe hands him a wad of toilet paper.
2: (laughs) They just didn't want to
0: intrude. Ha! Reaganite, heartless, macho, asshole lawyers. Oh,
2: that's unfair.
0: What is heartless? Macho? Reaganite? Lawyer? (laughs) I voted for Reagan. You did? Twice. Twice? Well, oh boy, a gay Republican. Excuse me? I, I'm I'm not... Forget it. Republican? Not Republican? Or... What? What?
2: Not gay. I, I'm not gay.
0: Oh. Sorry. It's just, uh... Yes? Well, sometimes you can tell from the way a person sounds that... I mean, you sound like a... N- no, I don't like... Like what? Like a Republican.
2: Do do I? Sound like a, a, a...
0: What? Like a Republican? Or... Do I? Do you what? Sound like a... Like a...
2: I'm confused.
0: Yes. My name is Lewis, but all my friends call me Louise. I work in word processing thanks for the toilet paper.
1: Lewis offers Joe his hand, Joe reaches. Lewis faints and pecks Joe on the cheek, then exits. The theater,
3: the theater.
4: Hang out, Louis. Theater, theater, theater. To me or not to
2: But Ayuda, ayuda.
1: Uh, uh, the play's the thing. Ba, ba, ba. Theater, theater. <laughs> It but is. We're not doing Shakespeare yet. <laughs> I, I, I
2: I, dropped the play's the thing on a post on Facebook today, and it felt good because it was very emphatic. Yeah. Um, ba- it's very also a reference
0: good. to our theme song because, uh, you know, we got some nice references in there, which I fucking love. Yeah, oh, yeah, very it's much. True.
2: Uh, hey, Bailey, thank you for uh, crafting and doing... Uh, the opening statement uh, there at the top of the show, uh, yeah. needless to say, we are living in insanely interesting times um, and um, hashtag Black Lives Matter. That's right. Yes. And um,
0: we stand with you yeah. and we and, stand with and you. you
2: and, uh, you know, it's 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 nuts because it's it's all this chaos going on in the world. You can feel it. Um, but I'm starting to feel um hope does that make yeah. sense you know yeah. i mean like yeah. uh i was watching um, uh, charlemagne from the breakfast club was being interviewed the other day sure and he's <laughs> yeah um he, and when he started to sound hopeful yeah where he was expressing his um inspiration over seeing the diversity in the crowds marching and protesting. Uh, I was out there a little bit CJ I know you were Bailey did you get out to any marches
0: Yeah I've been out Los uh, Angeles? just about every day um I awesome. don't post pictures of it um but I just I feel like I'm just like trying to be there as a number and really uh make those numbers high you know uh mm-hmm. it's a it, it it's it, it is had uh, it's been a beautiful thing to watch LA come together um for sure Here here um there's been a lot of really beautiful uh, protesting and things going on like that I think um Uh, The thing I've found most hope in actually is the fact that, you know, when these movements have happened before, uh, I I, I hate social media uh, so much, but I think part of me, yeah, but there's a part of me that really is seeing this as a different movement than than those in history because this time the travel and spread of information is times a million. Right. Yeah, And we can, we can get the info to somebody quicker. We can have the argument quicker. We can have the discussion quicker. We can, we can get people's minds changed quicker than we ever could. And I'm, I'm hopeful that the revolution is here and that it's going to be real and not just something we talk about in history books for a long time.
2: I don't think from uh, your mouth here, here, you know, and you know, I, And it's weirdly because of the technology. If we didn't have cameras on cell phones, we, we wouldn't be here right now. Why we couldn't, you know, listen to the bruises and the voices and, uh, everything from the past hundred years. I don't fucking know why, but, um, you know, um, Let's, uh, let's all hope that uh, uh, it's changed. I know that uh, within our theater company, I, we should all introduce ourselves, by the way. Yeah, uh, I was going to get into that. <laughs> I was just letting you say what you wanted to say. But you I'm know. sorry. Uh, the show, we, we talked from the very beginning that the show would be about a series of digressions, but um, yeah. you, know, you, you just can't ignore what's going on in the room. Anyway, uh, everyone Bailey, you... just
1: hang in there and put time towards it every yeah. day
0: and yep. keep educating yourselves and all the things that we said in the, in, the, in the beginning post but that all leads us to the amazingness that is welcome to theater, theater, the theater podcast for theater people made by three theater makers
1: from the LA theater scene. Oh, I I'm, I'm Jay
0: Bailey Birchum. I'm CJ
1: Merriman.
0: <laughs> and I'm Scott it's Loud. <laughs> wow. And we got are <laughs> members of the Sacred Fools Theater <laughs> Company in Hollywood, California. And each week we get together to talk about plays and playwrights that we have strong opinions on, and we discuss, debate, and disseminate them all. And this. This episode is Angels in America, a Gay Fantasia on National Themes, Part 2, Podcast stroika. <laughs> that is Mr. our episode Tony. <laughs> on Tony the Tony Kushner. Oh, man.
2: Happy and
1: Pride, y'all. Yeah, happy Pride. Yeah, happy yes.
2: Pride and um, uh, we've got some promotional stuff coming up at the end of the bro- broadcast yep. about all the stuff happening in the L.A. theater scene, uh, yep. especially as uh, Pride heats up and... Um, yeah, it's uh it's it's
1: hot it's pride,
2: hot pride. Hot pride. Yeah, it's hot today, man. We hit what 90, we were 96, like 90. we hit 90. Fuck.
1: Mm. The sun. But my good I <laughs> hate the sun. Uh... Damn you
2: life-giving sun.
1: <laughs> I hate it. I know we need it, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Raw, by going D. on Vitamin D record <laughs> saying I fucking hate Raw. Wow.
2: But it's a dry heat.
1: It's gross. It's hot. I hate it.
0: Chorus it. only. Cyrus. Plus, we all have to
2: turn <laughs> off our we all have to turn off our air conditioners in order to record this pod because so we're our doing it.
0: Balls drip the entire. time. Yeah, Jesus I am already
1: Christ. stinking up my recording uh, oh my God. studio.
2: I I you know when you when you catch your own stank, and then you're like, oh yeah. oh, oh I, I caught my own stank mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. My yeah. body
1: is emoting. So
2: this has been uh, our
0: episode on Tony Kushner. Uh, thanks so for joining, everybody.
2: For... Artistic we, we've
1: uncle. We've never made that
0: joke before. Little um, known
1: artistic uncle of Jared Kushner. Mm,
2: mm, that's not uh, true. What? <laughs> it's That's not... straight up not no. true. No. No. <laughs> because, ah! because Tony I refer to as the quiche. The um, quiche? Yeah, the quiche. The Kushner. Yeah. The Kushner. The okay uh, quiche? But, Jared, but, but Jared Kushner I would never refer to as the The quiche. He's more like the dish.
1: The dish. The dish.
2: Liquid that. Liquid you that motherfucker. That's right. Um, Yeah, but this
0: but this week we're talking about the Kush. We're talking about the OG Uh, Kush. Kush. We're talking about the one and only Tony Kushner. Um, I wanted to before we get out first thoughts. I just wanted to say normally, uh, you know, we've gone really long with our podcast, which we know we're gonna do every time. We're a long form podcast, but sometimes. Uh, we leave some plays in the dust, and we're we're starting to realize that. So we wanted to just uh, get a little more clearer this time. We chose plays that we're all going to read. And uh, how do you guys feel about that? Is that or, you know? What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Sounds great. No, it's it, it's <laughs> I'm great. My I
2: mean, as Sorry, you get I'm into <laughs> at,
0: trying to get my moonshine down my gullet,
2: you know. I mean, we've all, you know, it's, at some point in the future, I think it's way in the future, according to our scheduled list, we're going to hit Shakespeare and. Yeah, you know, we're going to do two or three episodes on that, and that's, you know, but like last episode was was Carol Churchill, and there was we just have too many for four hours. Girl, we could, is um, girl is
1: prolific.
2: Girl is prolific, but yeah, the, the the main idea is we just didn't want to do any disservice, and so we're going to focus a little bit more on some on specific plays. Specific plays. Uh, our deep dive this week is obviously going to be. Um, Uh, a little play called angels in america it sounds like a it sounds like a tom petty song angels in america
0: Uh, i'm sure there is a song called angels in america probably is yeah it's probably a bruce springsteen album or something Uh, so i feel like (laughs) in america today Let's get out some (laughs) initial thoughts on this guy. Let's just like, what were your just before we get into any actual history or yeah? What's your initial thoughts? Man,
2: I I um, it's funny. First of all, I didn't realize how much I had read of his already, so it was all a lot of rereading, some new discoveries, but rereading, and I just forgot how fucking smart he was it's very that's very so reductive smart, right? but yeah. like we're literally throughout the process of reading plays like i'd have to go and look up a word and there were some words that were too fancy for my dictionary app yeah. and i had yeah. to go i had to go deep time and so um uh, uh, not just that he's smart that the the philosophy that there's a wisdom there that even when you look back at angels which he wrote in his 30s there's a wisdom beyond his years for Absolutely, me that yeah. was a a treat and a challenge to to rediscover
0: and i would argue that like a lot of newer playwrights who i when i read their stuff when either it's sent to me by someone or when i am finding new playwrights um a lot of them kind of feel like they're taking just straight up notes out of the Kushner book, right? Whereas like Churchill changes the game and now we're all changing the game in that way. It's like, there are things that I read where I'm like, you're, you're channeling Kushner super hard, but you're not really as... Smart <laughs> to not to reduce it like said, but like you're just not on his level, and that's okay. Well, it's
2: like uh, when if you listen to like uh, Gary Kasparov or like chess nerds talk about chess, and like mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. like Bobby Fischer, mm-hmm. it's like the game is the game, the, the there's only so much you can do. Kushner never, I don't think, ever reinvents the game, he just perfects it and takes it to another yes. level. Yes. Um,
0: Whereas Churchill was reinventing, Kushner is perfect. I think that's exactly a perfect sort of, uh, you know, small way of uh, of describing the difference between the two. I
1: agree. This was another playwright for me that um, getting back into his stuff, I'm, I'm fairly certain that I had read the first part of Angels in America at some point. Um, in my script reading life, but um,
0: or at least seen every scene from it in a scene study class or something. I definitely <laughs> yeah. saw I
1: definitely saw the one of the scenes, and I think it's one of them from Perestroika, actually. But hmm. but yes, lots of looking up. Um, I appreciate anybody that wants to talk about Chernobyl, even if indirectly. <laughs> I am a Chernobyl nerd, um, but also I just got to a couple scripts where I'm like. His script is over two hundred pages long, Tony. Come on, but but I mean, oh my god, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Angels in America parts one and two are both long, but I mean, I
0: intelligent good homosexuals writer. guide was the longest Oof. Oh, Oof.
2: Yeah. Oh, my oh, yeah. oh my god <laughs> and and then it, but like, oh my god i have yeah. some
1: interesting yeah we'll get into it because i mean honestly i felt like my feelings and my questions about his writing vacillated in between the plays that we all read together yeah so cool yeah
0: Cool. Well, um, why don't we get into the history? Uh, our historian, the one Scott Leggett here. Uh, <laughs> well, it's some just
2: some basic uh, Wikipedia research. I do not consider myself a historical scholar.
0: Yeah, but we're kind of uh, <laughs> the context and we like to understand the context. where these sure, things no, come no, from. no. And you describe it better than anybody.
2: Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, Eh. Buy a girl drink first, you know what I'm saying? Jesus, thank you. Wow, (laughs) I'll I'll take them. I'm listening these days. That's what I'm doing. That's right. We're educating ourselves. We're educating yourself. Uh, That's right. Um, So Anthony Robert Kushner Uh. was born July 16th, 1956, close to the July 4th of. uh, (laughs) Born um,
1: on the sixth of July. It was, it was Let's
2: Let's and Simon that were born on the fourth of July, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, he was born in Manhattan, uh, the son of Sylvia. Uh, Manhattan, Kushner-ish. New York,
0: or Manhattan, Kansas?
2: Manhattan, New York. Got it. Where <laughs> was he it. born? Uh,
1: <laughs> the metropolis uh, of Manhattan, Kansas.
2: <laughs>
0: hey, it's where K State is. Okay, it's a college. Uh, All right. Um, and um, there's, there's, there's some cows there? No, that's the Wildcats. Oh, pardon me. or KU? Pardon me. What kind of trash have you been smoking? Lots. Just lots. That's all I can say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, his mom, Sylvia, was a bassoonist, and his father, uh, William, was a clarinetist and conductor.
0: Can I read Mm -hmm? an amazing quote um, from an interview of Kushner about his mother? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. She please. said, and I'll actually end up talking about this uh, show later. But uh, but she has, a, it's a quote of her. Excuse me, it's him quoting his mother, where she used to say, "I hate um, Madame Butterfly. I hate playing uh, bassoon in Madame Butterfly because it's impossible to play the bassoon while you're bawling your eyes out." Aww. Yeah. <laughs> so well, and then of you those... see,
2: like you see, you you see these uh you see musicians and and you can feel where he gets the the musical references you know the fact that Mm -hmm. um you know um uh that they use the the an oboe and angels in america and yeah uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff um his family is jewish surprise uh descended from immigrants from russia and poland um, mm-hmm. shortly after his birth, uh, his birth, his, his birth, <laughs> his birth, uh, I'm, my, yeah, I'm drinking whiskey, which y'all's, we haven't even talked about what our, I'm corn our whiskey and man. I'm
0: moonshine with cranberry, nice cranberry soda. Yeah. It's good. Yeah.
1: I'm okay. leaning into the hormones. I'm doing red wine right now. Ooh. Oh,
2: right. On. Honestly, <laughs> so I'm the drinking tannins? through, you I'm tannins? drinking
1: through all the half drank bottles of wine in my fridge right now. <laughs>
2: Proud of you. Yeah. Proud of and you.
1: yes, I chill my red, everyone deal with it.
2: Hey, it, you're, in, you're ruining in 96 degrees heat,
1: <laughs> you're ruining you're it. You're
2: ruining it. the wine, the, you're killing the tannins. The oils <laughs> will not stick to the side of the glass.
1: Don't care. The
2: fuck, <laughs> don't care. Does I, care. Right. I don't know. Moving don't know.
1: forward, uh, yes. shortly
2: after his birth, uh, birth goddamn, oh, his my birth. God. I'm not even. I I haven't even smoked any weed today. Should we take a break? Should we take? No, I know. I think I'm good. Remember my stroke. Um, Kushner's parents moved to uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana, Um, and you can see that influence pop up a little later with uh, Caroline. Uh, Carolina. Carolina
3: change.
2: Carolina change. Um, he attended Columbia university. He went back to New York and went to Columbia and he received his BA in, can you guess what? Uh,
1: criminology.
3: um,
2: No, no.
1: Religious studies.
2: You're close. Warmer. Close. Uh, Uh, theology. Closer, closer. Um, medieval studies oh
1: very artsy fartsy this degree is gonna get you absolutely nowhere tony
2: well but you can see it everywhere i mean medieval studies is the intersection of of history and religion and art and all of it and uh yeah you can see i might
1: argue with that what i'd say like ancient greece is where a lot of cool stuff came from and intersected and Sure, I mean, sure,
2: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. As but...
1: the other religious studies person. <laughs>
2: oh, God.
1: I got two worthless degrees in school, y'all. I would yes. argue and that studies.
0: the 1980s actually were a great time of renaissance for the arts. Uh, and the 90s, for uh, specifically for, for hand-drawn animation of the Disney sort, uh, I would be a uh, uh, big uh, renaissance. And uh, creator talking of about that, our mermaid. culture here in um, uh, Aladdin specifically is a movie that I think just takes us to the next level of understanding of humanity.
1: Who are you doing the impression? Yeah, what, he, what is that?
0: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody else took over my mic for a second. Um, oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> guys, so, the, corn, the corn whiskey hit harder than yeah, I right. No, uh, Yeah, right. Anyway, so yeah. So, medieval
2: studies. Uh, he then went on uh, grad school uh, at Tisch at that uh, New York University, Tisch School of the Arts. Fuck. And Jeez. that's where the plays started coming from and all that. Um, his husband, he's married to Mark Harris. Uh, I think they they first took vows like in the early 2000s and then officially got married like in 2017, 2018. Hmm. Uh, but his, his husband is uh, Mark Harris and he's also a writer uh, and an editor. Youngest
1: son of Richard Harris.
2: That's not, that's not, <laughs> don't, you're just making stuff up. Do we uh, and he's Do we an editor at uh, yeah. Entertainment Weekly what
0: do we need to beat the beans out of you right now
2: let the beans spill out okay i've got some trivia ooh, i've got ooh, some ooh, we're gonna play a little guessing game okay i'm gonna tell you three hobbies tony kushner engages in two of these tell me which one he does not actually engage in okay. so one of these okay. is made up okay um Tony Kushner is into gardening. He likes getting his hands in the dirt and he thinks that everyone should see how an earthworm uh, exists and eats and breathes and moves through the earth. Okay. Uh, number two is a Civil War reenactment guy. He um, portrays an enlisted <laughs> northern soldier. It's true. <laughs> discovered while researching Lincoln. Um, he likes the feeling of being transported uh, to a historic event. Uh, but also the camaraderie and the discussions that go on after uh, a day of reenacting. And then finally, uh, Needlepoint. He finds it meditative, and he likes doing his favorite poems uh, in Needlepoint and then making pillows out of them that he can give as gifts, which of those is not.
1: I'm going to say gardening is not.
2: Mm, Okay.
0: Uh, Bailey? I think it's Needlepoint. Uh, the first two just sounds so Kushner, I can't even handle it. And the third one's a little, like, proto-Kushner. It's, like, trying to be Kushner, and it's not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the uh, the fake hobby is Civil War reenactment. No! Uh, ah! Damn it! <laughs> no, I, I caught it. I found an interview with him where he talks about, like, he got into Needlepoint pretty recently, and when it, he just does it he puts poems on it makes pillows and i love it gives him his gifts i and, fucking uh, love that and then he gets into gardening um but i, I want, want a cushioner pillow oh, i God. want a cushioner pillow mr kushner if you're listening i can wanted you it to us, say uh,
1: cushion with a k a
2: kishin, a kish <laughs> a cushion. A <laughs> Uh, But I really now I really want Tony Kushner and Christopher Guest to get together and write a movie about Civil War reenactors. Oh my god! That's what that's my dream. I'm putting it out A there. A documentary
0: uh, written by Tony Kushner. Yes. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, yeah. That's it. But like, shot like Ken Burns style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I want it to happen. I'm super in for that. I'm super uh, super in for that. Okay. Um,
2: but uh, but that's the big stuff. And then uh, he writes plays and movies. And um, uh, we all uh, live tweeted. Uh, or texted during while we watched Munich. That's right. Um, we'll the that. we Yeah, we'll get into that later. And um, not the
1: movie, but that night was a lot. That no, was fun.
2: Yeah, no, and it's I, I, for, I forgot how good a movie it was, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, despite my Spielberg issues. And oh, we, well, we'll get, get there. <laughs> hey, good. <laughs> it's my. Uh, oh! it's my David Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nope. uh-huh. um, yeah. So um, that's where we're at. Um, shall we start talking about some plays? Let's talk go- about
0: some plays. You want to
2: go? Why don't we trip through the list a little bit? And yeah. if any of you have anything to say about it, and then we'll, we'll of course dive into the ones that we. Um- oh, it's so funny. Uh, di- uh, digression. <laughs> Uh, because um uh, Bailey you had texted last night about um call it um the, a bright room and I had totally forgotten that I had read that and I had seen a reading of it years ago and as oh, I, nice. I, I I tried to get just dip my toe into it um getting ready for today and I was like, Oh fuck, yeah, I, re- I remember this. So yeah. um good. good. Yeah. Um, so he, um, he starts writing, uh, plays in the early eighties, yeah. uh, the age of assassins, um, which I'm not familiar with and I couldn't find. No, I, uh, maybe I, it's I believe it
0: was, it was like produced and then sort of moved on from like, I don't know that he even published it.
2: Okay, cool. Um, La Fine de la Baline, an opera for the apocalypse, um, which was done in 1983, uh, New York at the Ohio Theater. Um, next was uh, the Heavenly Theater, which was produced at uh, at Tish in '84. Was he in sport.
0: school when he did that, or did he come back to do that? Because when did he? Graduate? I think
2: he. If you do the math on it, he was either still there or had i don't have his graduation date um he may have come back for that because i think he started undergrad like in 74 75 oh yeah so um yeah cool um next up was the umbrella oracle um which was done it looks like at martha's vineyard according to
0: wikipedia at this theater called the yard which i looked up and still exists um oh yeah
1: what a great name for a theater i said that too i was like
0: that's a great name because it's simple there was a junkyard um uh, not a junkyard um a like junk and scraps shop in wichita kansas where i grew up called the yard and i remember thinking that was the coolest fucking name that's a a cool yeah Yeah. so i love that anyway sorry because he did another one there
2: yeah um what was the next one Next one uh, was also done at the yard. Uh, it was called uh, The Last uh, Last Ga- Last Gasp at the uh, Cataract. Ooh, um,
0: good name for a play.
2: Good play, yeah. Um, then, let's see, in 85, uh, he goes and he does a play called Yes, Yes, No, No, The Solace of Solstice, Apogee, Pedigree, bestial celestial, celestial holiday show produced by the St. Louis, uh,
1: imaginary theater company. I was gonna, because, uh, he comes back to here in a couple of shows too. And I just wanted to say, um, it was just a really cool theater series that they are part of the rep, um, or it's part of their season. And it's just, it's family, it's family oriented theater mm-hmm. um and they did it in our on our big the big main stage at webster it's like a 500 to 800 seat house depending on which section well, which are open. is it uh i think it's usually <laughs> 500 they they have the same well, opera in the summertime yeah, which um, fucking
2: number is it no don't <laughs> throw numbers at me sorry, what is this not, hey not, hey, bullshit hey, hey physics hey, okay there's hey, either a hey, certain hey.
0: amount or there's not
1: hey hey um, also, I just wanted to say, uh, Imaginary Theater Company, and I think this is attached to them as well. They have a really cool program there called Wise Right, and they go into the schools, they teach kids how to write plays, cool. then they take, I think they select, like, the best sure. bunch of them, and then they give them to professional actors and directors, and there's, like, a weekend of professional shows That's on the St. Louis rep stage, and then That's when so I was cool. yeah, it's awesome. And then this was actually kind of when I got started working with kids through theater. Yeah. Um, w- my creative dramatics class in uh, at Webster. Uh, hey, yo, Cat Singleton, my amazing teacher back then. We did Wise Right. Also, except we went to a school like in the middle of St. Louis, and it was where it was where the kids there didn't go home; they lived there, right. and a lot of them were from. Uh, you know households that were living below the poverty level or you know abuse or you know a myriad of reasons and those kids wrote plays and then my creative dramatics class put them on but that's all through the wise right program that's attached I believe to the the imaginary theater company and they yeah and and imaginary if they're not part of the rep they share the space right Um, and when I was in school I should have looked it up before, but when I was in school between 2002 and 2006, that whole program was still going on there. So it's, it's cool. That's and I, awesome. It's- just a cool thing that I Saint love Lewis that does. like
0: young writers like get, giving them the chance to see their work because that's something I obviously never had like I never got anybody to like produce my work that's so yeah. fucking rad. There's
1: I remember a- one of our scenes: a girl was a talking roast beef sandwich named Roasty. <laughs> like it's it's you Amazing. know talking animals and right. it's a lot of fun. There's
0: actually a, a, a company out here. Um, shout out to young storytellers. They do. Um, this uh, incredible program where it's actually kids age, like I think it's like eight to or seven to 12 and they write short screenplays and then they bring in a bunch of actors and I've acted in it like four different times. It is the most fun thing and all of their families are there and it's like, it's like maybe 50 kids and all of their families are there and you, um, uh, put up their little short screenplays for them. I mean, you're reading them. So, you know, it's it's all cold read. You've never read it before, but you auditioned for them beforehand and they cast ah, you. So it's oh like, my
1: God, I love it. So
0: like I got up one time and they were like, all right, audition for us. And I just like beatboxed. And so I got cast as like all these different uh, characters or one year I, uh, I did like a bunch of impersonations. So I got cast as all the villains and I was like, yes. And I got Ooh. to do all of them. So it's like super fun, but these kids are like, you know, most of them are just eight-year-old, sort of like have never been told that they can write, have never whatever, and now they're getting to see their stuff like produced. Uh, I was like, "This is my bag. This is what I'm in there. Yeah, I mean. It's the best. It. It's the best. If
2: I could just jump in and say, "Why don't we teach them Fine. math?"
0: Whoa! Nice. Uh, I'm just then kidding.
2: they can no. be
1: sociopaths. Hashtag
0: <laughs> defund the arts.
2: No, math. Yeah. <laughs> let's not. Let's not. Start categorizing mathematicians as <laughs> physicists.
1: I'm just saying, if we don't have the arts. <laughs> no, absolutely.
2: You know, I'm going no, no, to debate
1: you. A, I'm
0: going to debate you on math. I'm going to math debate you. Um, I,
2: I don't. I, I really don't have much of a defense for it. I was just being uh, a curmudgeon. <laughs> Three
0: people are laughing at the fact that I just said math debate. Math debate. <laughs> it's fine. Can't. You didn't think I wanted it. It's fine. Uh, anyway, uh, after he wrote that, which... Thank you for filling us in on that, CJ, because I actually didn't <laughs> any of that yeah. on that. That's fucking amazing. Um, I know he did that. Uh, it's like a goth play or something.
2: It is uh, Stella by Goethe. Goethe. Uh, Goethe. Oh, uh, uh, it's
1: ad- adapted by? Or yeah, from. He did,
2: yeah, he did a few, a few of them. Um, and he... Um, that was produced in uh, Wikipedia, and I couldn't find any other references i didn't dig too deep into it but just new york city 1987
0: <laughs> just
2: it's like banksy he just used the whole city for summer and, uh... it was like
0: synecdoche new york where like yeah. the whole city just becomes reality yeah, uh, yeah, yeah or the play becomes reality um did you guys ever watch the absurdist show by michael ian black and um michael showalter uh which
2: one stella, stella. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Okay, Matter of fact,
2: go. I got to see them <gasps> perform live. No shit. Yeah, right before the show launched, they did. Um, oh, what was it called? Was it was Fuck was it you. the Key Club? It used to be up on Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, my dear friend uh, Henry That's Dittman insane. and I went to see. It. We were big into sketch, and they love the
0: Dits.
2: They love the Dits, and um, but they. Um, they did a live uh, live show, the three of them. Wow. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, I loved that show. I, that I love amazing. And the, by the way, the state the state is doing their reunion. All <gasps> those guys came from no the state. No shit. They're doing a Zoom reunion. Yeah.
0: Oh, I'll check that out. That's fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm doing
2: that and Kids in the Hall. It's
0: there's a nice like. Uh, I'm a huge Kids in the Hall fan. Girl. You and I have never talked uh, about that, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, we'll I'm a, talk a big about cabbage it. head. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: I love Chicken Lady. (laughs) (laughs) Out out of my body onto your plate. (sighs) Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) next we get to um, uh, a bright room called Day, uh, which is Uh, his first sort of fully professionally um, produced show. Mm -hmm. Um, It was produced in New York at Theater Twenty Two in April nineteen eighty five. Um and yeah, I know we don't want to do a huge deep dive into it, but you can see everything that's gonna happen. Yeah. Like you can yeah. see It's
0: a good setup. Like for the
2: ideas are the ideas are formulating, he's he's mishmashing stuff. Um it's basically it's set during during the Weimar Republic right before uh the rise Ooh. of the Nazi Party. It's like now I'm yeah, interested. Yeah, early thirties. You, 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 you would dig love it the this most. Place. You yeah. would love this play. Love yeah. Love this. yeah. Um, and it's, uh, because part, well, yeah, because then there's, then there's, but then there's a character that is in modern day 1980s and like he keep with a lot of his plays, he keeps tweaking him and tweaking him and tweaking him, I guess, in terms of critical response. There's a, there's a, woman well, yeah. Go, go, go. Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was go just
0: going to say, like, uh, originally, so the basic plot is just, is the, is like kind of this group of people stuck in an apartment during the fall of the Weimar era, kind of, you know, like the, the revolution, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, exactly. Like Scott said, there's this other sort of thing that keeps interrupting it with this woman named Zilla, I believe is her name. Z-I-L-L-A. Yeah, Zilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, um is in 1980 and her whole plot is that she keeps comparing reagan to hitler She's like, yeah. I just feel like Ra- <laughs> she's like, I just feel like Reagan's like Hitler, and that's just how I feel. And a lot of reviews came out and were like, it's too on the nose. Why are you just saying it out loud? <laughs> Do it differently. And so in 2018, when there was supposed to be a revival, he rewrote it, and it's called A Bright Room Called Day Revisited. And basically, yeah. what he did is he adds another character into the scenes with Zilla, named Zilla, spelled with an X instead of a Z, and it's basically be- those scenes become a comment on the play itself and like the art being the societal mirror. Right. And it's like a totally different play somehow while also being exactly the same play. And I read the new one because I had read the original uh, at Hogwarts. And so for this one, I was like, Oh, I really want to read the new one. Um, it was my bad guys. I, when we were deciding on plays to read, I should have said this one and I, I, totally forgot to. So, my bad. This is not one that yeah. we all decided to read. but um, uh, uh, and, and, uh, it and it's funny
2: because it, it really is. And, and it's funny because when you brought it up yesterday, I'm like, oh, yeah, that play. I'm like, why is this lingering in my head? Why am I thinking yeah. about this play? And I had read it uh, early in college. Uh, and I think that they'd done, somebody had done a reading. And I remember that. I remember, like, not quite... Wrapping my head around the two time periods and and how they were connected. Mm -hmm. But I remember clearly the Reagan shit like and. um, Oh,
0: oh, and in the new in the new version, the ex Zilla is is constantly also comparing him to Trump. So it's like. It, yeah, interesting
1: yeah. how we continue to compare our Republican leaders to Hitler. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, Nothing's well, ever
2: changed. You, well, yeah, because people start leaning into fascism and authoritarianism and, right, you know. Right. right. All, all those deals with the devil that the Republican Party has done, not to get too hyper-political, I doubt we're going to lose. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. I doubt we're going to lose <laughs> listeners people, because, yeah. because I've said shit about, you know. Right. Um,
1: Listen, there is a huge conservative theater viewership that's true that's true they're not reading here but
0: yeah i mean so long
1: as it's cats or phantom of the opera that's
0: right i feel like Um, but i was just gonna i was just gonna say
2: before we wrap up just exactly he he had this whole all of of of, um uh a bright room is a riff on on breck's uh the private life of the master race which as i recall was uh which was why it ended up getting uh a reading and why I, I had seen it but um so and the other interesting thing is uh, and uh, the the lead character who's set in the 1930s uh agnes is the character's name is an actress agnes and Eglings. A, Eglings, that's it and there's just he you can see him p- pulling from brecht and then adding a little mag- magical realism and playing with this idea of reality and so that's what theater i want to say and, yeah yeah that's what i Go want ahead. to say
0: is that last episode i said some things about brecht that i know uh-huh. were a little bit um uh, controversial. yeah controversial but i will i actually have to amend some of it based on my research on kushner and this play specifically i only read it yesterday reread it yesterday and sort of started having that like okay like I this is obviously Brechtian let's talk about why let's figure out why and like looking at that and listening to interviews with him I started realizing like no I really love first of all I love Weimar era as a setting period Mm -hmm. just love it Cabaret is one of my favorite things on the planet uh Three Penny Opera things like that I'm super into that be Arthur for a while be Arthur uh (laughs) uh, just like everything that is ever related to that I am super in for um but I after reading on you know Brecht on theater I had had created a lot of sort of uh intense feelings about him and then I started listening to Kushner talk about him and I was just like fuck okay you're right you're right you're right you're right He's great. He's, a, He's smart. He he was doing something for the masses. He was doing something that, um, you know, was wasn't the pretentious uh, uh, bullshit that was being done by everyone else. No,
2: he was trying to shake it up, you know. Yeah. And in a time, I think the, the 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 hardest thing about Brecht is that there are very few people still around who ever got to see it. That's right. He was speaking really to a underst- people. That's right. Right. Yes. And and really understand that vibe um shall we move on yeah exactly that's (laughs) all (laughs) yeah and um next um on the list um and i'm not familiar with this one at all uh in great eliza's golden time produced also at uh the imaginary theater in st louis is part of the st louis repertory theater um and that was in 1986 any any feedback any comments on that i lived
1: there for four years
3: Huh?
0: Hydriotafia. Tafia, is that what we're talking about?
2: No, that's next. We're talking about in, great, Eli- uh, in great Eliza's golden time.
0: Oh, um, oh okay. I, I, our zoom, our zoom cut out for a minute. I missed what you are talking about. I apologize. Yeah, I don't know anything about this one.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, g- folks, go out there <laughs> read. St. Louis,
1: go cards. Uh, fuck us, yeah.
2: Fuck the Cardinals. Uh,
1: (laughs) You're just jealous of the Cardinal way.
2: Uh, Mark McGuire. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That was a fun summer. It was a fun summer. He cheated, but that was a fun summer until we found out he cheated.
2: That's
0: just the only thing I know about the Cardinal.
2: Just cheating. Just cheating.
1: Come on. No, I'm not going to. don't get me mad.
2: You're 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 the
1: one who's the one.
2: You're the one. (laughs) Um, What's next here is... uh, uh uh hydrio uh what is it Tafia?
0: hydriotafia tafia i don't know how tafia. to say it yeah um, this one was interesting i actually um so i went to i went and did curbside pickup at the buena vista library in um well, look at uh, you. burbank california yeah oh, cool. and i uh i got this play called uh it's a it's a book of kushner plays called death and taxes
2: Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about.
0: It, it includes mm-hmm. Hydrotafia, and basically he describes this mm-hmm. entire book. As um, things I wrote while mustering the courage to write a full-length play to follow Angels in America. Okay, so <laughs> Hydropavia doesn't is not included in that list. He wrote it before Angels, obviously, um, but he included it in this because it's sort of thematically similar. They're all kind of dealing with death, and a couple of them deal with like money and taxation, kind of. Um there's a bunch of them in here, so as we hit them, I'll talk about them a bit. But I didn't read this one. This was one okay. of the longer ones, and I was just sort of like, eh. It, They're but it's all called... one of the longer ones. That's true, actually, but a <laughs> few of these are really short. Okay. Um, but this one happened to be like, you know, 200 pages. Uh, but uh, it's an epic farce about death and primitive capital accumulation. Hmm. So whatever right. the fuck that well, means.
2: To you. Well and well, those themes continue throughout history. That's right. Story. right. And it's based
0: <laughs> on something else Not boring. on something he read. What? Yeah, not boring. He 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 read something and then kind of like rewrote it. I don't know. Based on the idea of Hydrotefia, uh, which was like a essay or something. I don't know. Anyway,
2: that's Copy. all I know. Copy.
0: The Death of Doctor Brown.
2: Right. Um, next up uh, is uh, his adaptation of the illusion uh from uh, Pierre Cornet's 17th century comedy um if and, it hadn't
0: been an adaptation i would have had us read this cuz this one apparently was pretty prominent like this was enjoyed
2: yes no yeah it was uh the production that was done in hartford uh connecticut uh and new york city um in 88 or so um it, it, and i uh i had read it years years ago um and just doing research on something else and it's it's great it's magical and it's you know all of his uh observations and fused you know it's it's basically let's see what uh the the official thing it follows a contrite father uh seeking news of his prodigal son from the sorcerer alandria uh, the magician conjures three episodes from the young man's life. Inexplicably, each scene finds the boy in a slightly different world where names change and allegiances shift. Um, and the father watches, uh, but only as the strange tale reaches its conclusion does he learn the ultimate truth about his son.
0: What? If I Ooh. could change my name, if you had asked me in my first 10 years of life, I would have said Spike. Uh-huh. If you had asked me in my second ten years of life, I would have said Rocky. Uh-huh. And now, if you ask me, I would have said Colt. Colt, like
2: that, all... just
1: reminds me of Ninety Day Fiance.
0: There, what? The
1: <laughs> fuck? what? <laughs> fuck you! Oh, God. Colt, there's a guy on Ninety Day Fiance called Colt. I'm sorry.
2: If there's if you if if you were a lady, if you're a lady and a man named Colt comes after you, go, to go run away. die, uh, smoke that time I...
1: of
0: weed. I have the a marijuana burn you can take that turn. <laughs>
2: oh, when
1: I was a little song. girl, I wanted my name to be Dawn because I heard that Frankie Valley in the four seasons song. Roll, roll, Bailey just
2: roll, keeps roll, going. going.
1: But I okay, wait. I have a I have a general logistics Kushner question. Uh-huh. Okay. Something that I mean that's different from the people we have um, studied so far is his his venues hop all over the place, yeah, all over yeah. the States. And then, you know, eventually go over into Europe. How, is that, is that a typical thing? I feel like everyone I read about, like they've been in California for a while, they've been in New York or Chicago. You know what I mean?
0: He is our most, uh, well, uh, okay. I mean, yeah, I think that's real. I think there, that's kind of the modern playwright though. Tracy Letts jumped around a lot too, I feel like. Yeah. He never mm-hmm. really had like a core theater. Well, um,
1: well, he did Steppenwolf a lot though, right? Steppenwolf was um, his core.
0: Yeah. But that's No, but that's but true, it's, I guess. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I think, um, yeah, Kushner, I think Kushner hit it, you know, so big quickly or early on that. You know, he, people started commissioning
0: really. Started well, commissioning yeah, and I get those. the feeling he never maybe really had a home. Yeah. He already
1: had a foot in the door a little bit, like he was already in the artist community. Pro- I'm guessing because of his parents, and I don't sure. know. I just I was just yeah. curious about that. Maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe. yeah, I think it,
0: it. I mean, if you look, a lot of things are commissioned, right? So it's like if one thing does well, and another theater hears about it, and is like, well, let's get this guy to write a play for us, you God know, and then that just keeps happening. I would. What a dream! I mean, what a fucking dream!
2: go
1: tone. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. Um, and then that
2: brings us to...
3: <laughs>
2: Angels in America, a gay, on, uh, a gay Fantasia on National Themes, Part 1, Millennium Approaches.
0: Yes. Yeah, first produced in San Francisco, I believe, in 90-something, 91. Uh, the original
2: workshop was done in Los Angeles at Center Theater Group.
0: Uh, oh, right. The, yeah, I
1: remember reading that. I was like, what? that's so cool that's exciting
0: hey shout out to la theater being hey yeah
1: la theater is fucking awesome that's right
0: actually uh to shout out like some things that you know like people don't realize started in la like the spring awakening revival that was a few years ago that was all yeah that shit came out of deaf west which is in la and one of my favorite theater companies out here so they also
1: won all the awards over behavior of brodus that year
0: uh, well, <laughs> well yeah, okay. i just i did I just see remember. that production and it was uh <laughs> i'm sure incredible. it was amazing it was
1: yeah. yes
0: um, um i'm just
1: very familiar with it in that way can
0: i give a little <laughs> personal uh this is our deep dive and the namesake of our podcast which by the way i'm really proud of uh podcast troika. i don't know i think that's funny um, yeah, it's pretty good Thanks. I'm looking for yeah. more uh, love for these than I'm getting, but it's okay. okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you're
1: po- oh my god, <laughs> Bailey! Podcast <laughs> Podcastrika is a stroke Brilliant. of genius. Thank you.
2: Didn't we stroke go my through genius. this weeks ago on the Slack when you when you yeah. pre- gave them to us? We 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 sent. Yeah, them but, but praises. I want it heard out. Li- I think you're I want being everyone-
1: greedy, Bailey. <laughs> I just need
0: it like recorded.
1: Sheep um, age.
0: but I wanted to give a little like kind of background on my introduction to angels. Um. My intro was purely that uh, when I was shown the movie, The Graduate, I fell in love with Mike Nichols. I've brought him up a couple of times on the podcast already. Mm-hmm. Huge Mike Nichols fan. Um, and then was shown The Birdcage and uh, a bunch of other things. And then at some point- Carnal Knowledge. Brother, Carnal Knowledge, starring uh, uh, one Garfunkel. Um, and, and Jack Nicholson. And Jack Nicholson and <laughs> Anne Margaret, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's a great um, flick. Great flick, actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, I watched that in college. uh, When I had access to the uh, DVD library at Hogwarts, they had everything and they ended up having a whole Mike Nichols section. And so I just started going down the line. And I took home my brother was like, Oh, if you like Nichols, you need to watch Angels in America. It's an HBO miniseries. And that's how it was presented to me. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So I put that on and not only did it change my life, which we can talk about that as its own separate entity, but not only was it like a huge turning point for me, um, but it was also sort of like, you know, one of those times where I was just like, oh, I didn't realize this was, um, uh, it even existed. And how has this not been in my life before this and whatnot? Um I've seen it maybe 500 times, Uh, not not even hyperbolizing. Like I've, I've watched that series all the way through so many times. I rewatched it this time with the script in front of me to see the differences. I had never really done that. Mm. Uh, But I read the script in college a couple of times. I've directed scenes from it. Um, I've never seen it, uh, but I know national theater live just, uh, just did a, a production of it and they put it up. Um, Uh, online for people to see for a little while during the pandemic. I think it's down now. Uh, But to me, it was first introduced to me as that series. So then when I was reading it, uh, I had to basically completely separate the two things as two totally different entities. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of still how I view it. I think they're so separate in many, many, many different ways. Things that don't really work about the series are my favorite parts of the play, right? And things that do work about the series don't aren't really even very present in the in the play. So
1: you're talking about the HBO series,
0: correct? Yeah, from 2003. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool, cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Is there another one?
1: No, no, no. I, I
0: no, but there should be. And there's just been so it. many
1: different things oh. of it. Whoa. <gasps> oh, wow. Uh, I, so, I mean, honestly, well, I'm excited we, to
0: get into this because it is. Uh, no, no, it's yeah. Go ahead, Siege. I'm sorry.
1: I I've just I've never. I mean, I've I've never seen it in any way, shape, or form, and I I had wanted to watch the television series, um, and I just didn't get around to it before this. Um, but reading it and reading, like, <laughs> my first impression was, my God, what a nightmare for the stage manager and run crew. <laughs> and then also just thinking too, like. That's why they probably I mean other than it being beloved and everything, but like that's probably why they did it on television because you can do all of these effects where it's like the roof has crumbled in and an angel comes down, and then yeah. the next scene it's all gone, yeah, so
2: it's yeah no it's
1: it, I need to watch it for that alone
2: um so m- 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 my my uh, experience with the play is is the opposite of that so. I'm in late high school as, as angels hits and just the reverberations of that play, um, at that time. So as soon as it was available, I went out and read it. Then I saw, I've, I've seen two live productions of it. One that was not so great, but Mm. ambitious, but Mm. not so great. Um, which was just millennium approaches then I got to see um uh, another version There's I got Shaga. to see both oh. both both parts um where they did it um uh, they did an alternating night so you saw millennium approaches on one night uh and so they were they were doing it in a weird kind of way I guess when they did the two thousand eighteen revival on Broadway they did both every night. And then there was, the audience was given a two hour dinner break, um, between right. the, the two parts, which right. I think is the way to do it. But I saw, yeah, saw I, agree. I, agree. I saw, a, you know, two great, uh, two, it was two great nights. So you, you had a chance to sort of process and, um, you know, although he's, you know, it, it should be one night. So, um, just the reverberations through all of theater, and it's funny because I asked a few people when I say "Angels in America," what do you think? And most of them said it was the AIDS play. <laughs> it was the AIDS play, which wow. um, which
1: is what everyone used to say about Rent too, right? That's um, true,
2: kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like <laughs> literally I a want joke to talk. team America, please right? don't say Rent and Angels in America in the same. Well, place.
1: I want to. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> <Bullshit>. I, <laughs> oh,
2: I I don't want to
1: interrupt you, Scott, but I do have a question about the two of those when you're done no go ahead well i just because but where you mean I rent
2: and you mean rent and angels
1: what no no oh. i yeah i just okay where i grew up in the theater i was exposed to before I went to college, it was all, it was all musicals and it was all tours that were going through. So I never actually saw a quote unquote straight play with no music in it for <laughs> a long, like until I was in college. Mm-hmm. So this was 1992. Um, and Rent was in what? 95. I'm just curious. I don't know. I'm just curious if people were, I mean, obviously Rent is an adaptation of La Boheme, uh i'm just i i don't know that they compared the two but it, you know it's What's new york in the 80s is both of them i don't know did people ever put them in the same category did people ever talk about them side by side or were they just completely
2: not I think anybody just... with any sense of taste
0: or
1: okay okay well, uh,
2: I'm, no, I'm just being a, that i'm just being, a dick. But I, I'm I just being a dick i am just being a dick it i i was go ahead
0: i just feel like it's it it, ha- it 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 is lumped into the category of thematically being similar and i think there are like a lot of laymen who maybe w- like non-theater minded people who would maybe lump them in if they don't know anything about the two but mm-hmm. yeah if you're if you if you know either of them at all it's, it's impossible to even compare them especially because i would argue i'm a huge jonathan larson fan and i would argue that Rent is is about a bunch of fucking assholes who have no uh, uh. reason for us to... Well, name one who has any, like, actual legitimate um, reason to be our hero. Not one of them. It literally, even Angel, Angel kills a Angel? dog. Angel kills an Akita. Like, they're all horrible. Every one of them, <laughs> at some point as some reason for us to sort of be like oh you're an awful person but that's not the point of Ra- it's not to heroize these people it's about a people it's like hair right it's about a time when you watch hair it's they're also kind of racist and awful and terrible like the whole you're kind of like oh yeah but it's like about a time and we're like kind of honoring that and what they thought was right and what they thought they were doing but it's it's a bunch of like Semi privileged people uh, in Rent who are choosing not to be right. It's like Mark is literally his whole problem is oh, that, his that parents Anthony keep wanting Rapp, to give I just
1: him. Love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, let's not. Uh, I prefer not, Adam. To inter- not to interrupt. I just
2: don't.
1: No, Adam I, Pascal and Anthony Rapp. Right?
2: No, I yes. just. Can we move uh, on from Rent?
1: <laughs> I'm so Okay. No, I think fine, I just.
2: I, I sincerely do think it's a disservice to to put that's. Because it's beyond that angels in America is beyond that angels in America I is... so can
0: I finish what I was saying right yeah. now go ahead, okay, so to in my opinion, rent is just about a time and about a people, whereas angels in America to me is like fully one I empathize with, even with Roy Kahn sometimes, right like l- mm-hmm. literally like I empathize with everybody in that show i there is meaning to everything that's happening. It's not just like moments in time, which is what rent kind of is trying to do. Right. So besides theme, I don't think they're in any way, shape or form in, in, in the same category at all. No, I don't empathize with Roy Cohn at all.
2: (laughs) Angels was kind of the crest of, cause that, it wasn't like it was the first play about gay men dealing with AIDS you know, there had been as is and But normal heart, normal heart, um, boys in the band, that kind of thing. Um, it's it was that it was so far be, beyond that, and it is, you know, it, it I think that ha- reading it and 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 sort of re experiencing it now, it is transcendent in in a way that very few works of drama are. This It resonates. There are quotes in this play that almost have more meaning now than they did in Reagan, immediate post-Reagan era America. Absolutely. And it is I think that the achievement of him and all of his writing that was kind of this sort of discovery for me is this ability to go from the macro to the micro, which is a phrase I've been using a lot lately. And what I mean is, is that he has such huge ideas. And I think even, even in Perestroika, which I think is a little bit more muddled or flawed. And when I say that, I don't mean it in any kind of disparaging way. Like he, 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 he's commented many times. He's never, he keeps tweaking with Perestroika, but he doesn't, he doesn't kind of touch Millennium because it's it, it's almost that perfect first half, but he keeps tweaking and ke- keeps making these adjustments to Perestroika in in a variety of ways, um, and he has these huge sweeping ideas that almost get away from him uh, in terms of like like you can't quite wrap your head around and you can't even process it at the time. That then is juxtaposed with these just insanely intimate, amazing moments with these amazing characters. And you're right, Bailey, about the the whole... The Roy Cohn thing, because, I mean, you know, Roy, Donald, Donald J. Trump was a, was a protege of of Roy Cohn. And you can see everything, everything is reflected in it. And that's what I mean. is like this line that goes through American history and he's aware of history, this line that deals with the raw humanity of being a gay man in America and dealing with a plague, literal plague. And then these huge ideas of spirituality and society and construction and deconstruction. It's just, it is a fucking marvel. It really is, I think, just one of the great accomplishments of 20th century theater
0: for me. I've babbled too much.
1: Well, uh, okay. I have a question for the both of you. Uh-huh. Um, the double The cast- last question
0: you asked sparked some controversy, so I don't know <laughs> if I'm be <laughs> asking questions right
1: Oftentimes that happens when a woman speaks up. Um, oh, man. Both of the plays, Boom. very specifically <laughs> in the front. Both of the plays in the very front. He's very specific about double casting. Mm-hmm. Is this on purpose in any uh, way? Is it saying something? And I just, I, it's just a question. I don't have an answer for it. It's just something that I kind of considered while I was reading both of them. I mean,
0: it's kind of what came up in... Um with Churchill, right, where it's sort of like, I mean, yeah, like, anything you decide you want to give meaning to, you can, but I think more than anything, it's about, like, sort. more than anything, it's it's sort of, like, ease of casting. Like, if there's 50 characters in a show and you want to make sure all of them are represented and you're like, well, I'll use the theatrical device of they all play multiple characters, right? And it doesn't even really matter who they are. But then when I start really looking at it, the ones who the angel plays are very specific, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, where you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I guess that's probably on purpose, but then also the ones who, uh, Hannah or, um, uh, she also plays the rabbi, right? think the Meryl Streep, if you want to compare it to the series character, um, is like also some of them feel very poignant in the moment where you're like, wow, that's the same person. Interesting dynamic, but, again i don't know how much of it is like uh as poignant as maybe we make it in our mind you know
2: yeah i think um and and that's uh, i just rewatched the the hbo series which i liked initially when it came out i don't dislike it i shouldn't say that i think that having reread it again my brain was like you read these in st- these stage directions and and you're like how in the hell like and then he says like in in the edition that I just read like he's like ah uh, you know yeah it would be really easy if you know uh, Ethel Rosenberg just faded off into the wings but let's use a little bit more theater magic you know for that yeah. so yeah. that's my only problem with the HBO one is that I watched it and I'm like oh this doesn't hold up in terms of the effects. And in terms right. of the spectacle, like...
0: So that's what, it, yeah, that's kind of what I want to say about the series as, as a whole, is that it's like, it. you're right, like, first of all, the theatricality is completely lacking because it is being replaced with effects, right, and CGI. Mm-hmm. And, and it's early CGI, and it's also HBO, who is an independent company who at the time it's like early hbo so there there's like coke products through the whole thing because they're like trying to make money you know what i mean so it's like Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like like literally i'm pretty sure mr lies is like leaning on a coke vending machine when they're in antarctica they are are, everywhere throughout the whole series because you're just like they just needed money right but then the person who did the cgi did the star wars original star wars trilogy but then i think about that and i'm like but he didn't do cgi in the original star wars trilogy he did <laughs> legitimate practical effects so it's like annoying that it, yeah so i feel you on that hard but then i'm also like trying to put myself in the mindset of the 2003 like yeah. kind of hbo no, and I, re- I
2: remember it being yes. such an event and yes. well and the other thing that that keeps it aloft are the performances i'm sorry yeah, fucking sure. jeffrey wright Oh my god, Jeffrey Wright. Ugh. Belize is my I favorite character in the play. I should my I should, should review. I mean because And Mr. Lies. Both and Mr. Lies, yeah. I mean um it's it's the the, 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 the the heart the the sort of hard, pragmatic, compassionate, honest yeah. honesty of that character that just blows me away like just blows me away every time i read it like that it's so
0: um... every scene he's in takes you to another level of like either emotional kind of like just like a whole new emotional state or it it brings you to a whole other level of understanding of not only the characters, but, like, the world they're in. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. He's constantly commenting on it in a way that's just so confident. And so just, like, he is, like, almost the um, um, omniscient voice of the, right? It's like, oh, oh Jeffrey uh, um, I
2: think my favorite- Who did he ever? play in it? Belize.
1: Oh, oh, okay, okay, got it. And
2: I think, like, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, um, Belize's line, listen to the world, how fast it goes. And mm. uh, It's just, you know, the the poetry of some of those characters. Um, but I think all the performances in that HBO series are pretty good, if not great. Um, I think it's some of the best work Al Pacino has Ever. done over the past 30
0: years. Cause I would that... argue that 80% of the time Pacino is just puttering around and just kind of phoning it in. And, like, like, kind of just doing the, like, oh, yeah, I'm, like, the old, old kind of grizzled cop. Like, the, I think the last time he really gave, gave a performance, I haven't watched Irishman, Irishman, so I can't speak to that, but the last time he, like, gave, gave a performance was in Nolan's Insomnia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, for Typecast, he, like, t- totally gives it. But this, to me, is his ultimate. I don't think he's ever had more energy playing a role besides maybe Scarface. He has never had, like he's just never been at this level of like uh, fully embodying a character and a
2: difficult character. So I mean, difficult. A, a character that is put in there, like Kushner knew that people were going to react to, right. to him, like just viscerally, like he yeah. was so despised and such a fucking hypocrite. And so evil. And, but you, you're charmed by the care. I was charmed by the character on the page and I yeah. say charmed. And I, I mean that in there, he has a clarity of, of philosophy yeah. and he holds on to it. You're gri- gripping it with, you know, fingernails. Well, an a- 18 year it. old
0: Bailey watching that for the first time, not knowing who that man is, <laughs> is thinking this is who we're following. Right. Like because that's like one of the first scenes of the mini of the series, right so you're you're sitting and you're just i think it maybe is the first scene, and you're just like you're just like, oh, this guy's dope this is uh, th- this guy's awesome I want to be like him he's kind of pushing <laughs> around this like kind of goofy guy this is great and then by the end of that scene you're like oh no i hate this guy (laughs) okay all right and then you start learning more about him and then now you know grown ass me knowing everything i do about him i watch it with like these brand new eyes of like every word out of his mouth is is trumpian like psychosis
2: yeah yeah oh yeah yeah and and
0: um my favorite fucking shit is the uh, I, 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 we'll get, we'll, cats. It's about cats. It's um, <laughs> and then he gets off. He gets off the phone. And he's like, "Lacazza Fall." Have you seen it? Probably the best thing. The best thing ever. Seen. The best ever. thing
2: I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> best thing on Broadway, possibly ever. And then he goes back and he's like, "No, you wouldn't want to see Lakage, You want to see Cats. It's about dancing cats. So good." Um, yeah. Anyway, so it makes you feel for him in that moment. You're like, "Oh, so he's like queer and he's like kind of interesting and this is great." And then no, no, yeah,
2: um. The other thing that struck me, um, because your memory just, you know, you sort of take it, you know, you remember the whole thing at once, you know, Uh, he uh, how Kushner slowly introduces the magical realism, the supernatural, the, it's, 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 it's just touches. And then we build, we build to it to, till prior prior laying on the bed going, what? And that's all of us. And I think while you're watching
0: though, that he does a good job of the build of theatricality as well. Absolutely. Just in terms of like how the scenes are meshing and folding over each other. And like the way he describes like and then this person leaves that scene takes off their hood and starts and enters this scene as this person and you're you're just like so on for the ride already that when it starts to become magical you're just like yeah (laughs) you're like yeah Yeah, yeah. yeah i'm in on this world already yeah it's great it's really smart
2: um cj were you saying something
1: no, I wasn't. I was just listening to y'all. Oh, God. It's interesting a... to me listening to you guys talk about, like, because, like I said, I read part one years ago. But I knew who Roy Cohn was way more before I reread this play. Mm. So, like, he was such, like, Bailey, you were talking about how he was even sympathetic. And to me, I was only grateful him grateful for him at the moment that he was dead and there were all those meds left that they could give to him (laughs) which is which is how
0: i feel now yeah yeah absolutely absolutely on reread i'm like yeah fuck that guy
1: and it's just it's interesting too because i mean with the rise of trump and all that stuff the fucking 80s in america were so they put us on the road that we're on right now this obsession with wealth and having everything and having more than the person standing next to you and meanwhile there's this insane epidemic going on that's scaring the shit out of everybody
0: yeah yeah i the first time i ever heard that monologue um the i don't have aids i have lung cancer, liver cancer right do you know know... that monologue go ahead
1: Go ahead, Paige.
0: The first time I ever heard that monologue was just in an acting class and somebody had been assigned it. And I had never, this was before I had seen it or read it. And um, they got up and did that. And he was from Brazil Mm. and had a really thick accent. And he was maybe uh, 25, I think is how old he was. It was, you know, it was Hogwarts. Um, And so, you know, many age ranges. But he was, um, he got up and did it. And I had no idea what what it was from. And I remember the whole class being like in awe, and he wasn't even necessarily like the greatest actor. We were just like, "That's the best monologue ever." Yeah. <laughs> like, what the Ray fuck? Cone gets a lot so, of good fucking material. He on. does, and that's why you kind of also, as a theater artist, are kind of always on his side, and it's, not always on his side. I don't mean that, but where that there's that part of, that's always that like, part. "I want
1: that part." Yeah. Cause it's <laughs> yeah.
0: Just, so dense it's
1: fun to play a horrible person yeah
0: <laughs> and it, it, and also the way pacino plays it also makes you really want to dig into something like that because his physicality in that fucking series is insane Have, did you watch it cj did you watch I... it
1: I unfortunately, I just ran out of time, didn't have no, time that's to watch okay. it, but no, I'm no. going I to, to now I because to. I yeah, enjoyed it's... the script so much and Mary I got all my- Mary eight... is Harper. Uh, I love her. And
0: Harper. I saw her in, uh, live at the Mark Taper um, and, <gasps> uh, in Heisenberg, which is a two-hander. Um, and the other guy, the guy who was in it with her, um, I had seen play- uh, Prospero at Oregon Shakespeare Fest. So I was like really pumped about this production and I went and saw it and it was it's by the same man who wrote Curious Incident of the Dog in the Night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh yeah. Which is like the most theatrical play ever, but this play was just two people on stage with one table and nothing else. Two scenes and oh, I was the theater. Um it was the Mark Taper, but they put Oh,
1: oh, oh, duh. Which
0: is like maybe, um, I think, 500, 300 seats or something. Jesus Christ. Um, but then they, they cut down the one side of it, and they opened up the stage and lowered it and made that side also audience. Wow. So I sat on the stage side, and I was oh, second cool. row, and I could, like, feel their spit. It was the coolest thing ever. And she gave one of the greatest live performances I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm a huge Mary Louise Parker fan, but that a solidified it. Fan. Well, well, yeah, and then ju-
2: Justin Kirk we- plays Prior. Parker.
0: Justin yes, Kirk, who is I love Andy, Kirk. yes, Uncle from Andy. Weeds. Yep, yeah. he is Prior, and he is—I mean, perfect he's, for that. He's. he's perfect for it
2: yeah um, yeah the yeah, he, only other
0: people i know of that have played it are andrew scott and garfield andrew garfield as yeah. well played it andrew yeah. garfield won the spider man when the tony won the tony recently yeah um but really, uh, yeah um, for the, streep, for the
2: re- revival yeah
0: streep oh, okay. is phenomenal in every role that she does uh, yes. i would argue that her best role is the rabbi um, I think Oh, Emma and I'm Thompson, so pissed!
2: Can I just say I was so pissed that they, that they cut, cut the, the Russian monologue.
0: Yeah, they cut the Russian hard. monologue, and I'm Perestroika like, Perestroika in general uh, is pretty mutilated in the. In, well, like, yeah, I mean, the first half, it, Millennium approaches is actually pretty intact, except for order. Um, yeah. But the but Perestroika loses some of the best shit, and that's the one argument I have against the series is that. The back half does not do justice to the front half because I would say like episode four and five, there's so much missing that I, and I know you would have to add like a whole other episode to work it all in, but I just, I miss it. Yeah, I, miss I, did, it. I did too. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the scene where you see Roy Khan in, in the afterlife, it cuts the scene where you see, uh, it, it basically cuts all of Pryor's like walking through heaven.
2: All, which yeah, is all the, the San Francisco, so, yeah. fucking
0: part of Perestroika.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, um, you know, but yeah, I, and that, that leads me into talking about a little, let's go into, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about these characters. Cause there's a few of them that I think have sure. unique traps. And I'm talking yeah. about when I say characters, I'm talking about, um, uh, all the, all the the whole threads and and the
0: um, multiple and I particularly, I particularly want to talk about Lewis, so I'm excited about. that. Yeah,
2: we got to talk about Lewis because, man, yeah, I have thoughts about Lewis. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Characters. him. But let's um, let's go ahead and take a break now.
0: Should we listen to Pam's song? <gasps> yes.
2: Oh, yeah, we can listen to
0: Pam's song. Let's listen to Pam's songs. Pamela. um, So why don't we put that on for him to listen to, and we'll come back and get into the characters of Angels America.
4: Enjoy, y'all. They're in your light. they're in your love. They're in the skies, they come from above You're hurting now, I know And one day you'll have to go They'll be there Oh, they'll be there They know your struggles and they know your pain They flow in you, they flow through
2: Quinn. Pamela.
1: Goddamn. Talented woman. Talented. Goddamn talented woman. I know yeah, we yeah. say that
0: every time, and it'll probably get redundant, but, like, she just is. It's just, she just insane. She just that that she I can't do that shit. Every week and fucking gets it in, in time. It's, it's <laughs> um, so, yeah.
2: we wanted to talk about characters. I wanted to talk about Lewis, but I want to just throw out the question to both of you. What... What character do you think is the hardest character to play
0: as an actor?
2: Yeah, which would be the most challenging? Do you think?
0: It, <laughs> I, honestly, I think I I think in terms of like how much you have to do, the hardest role is the angel, or mm. maybe maybe Hannah, because mm. her her characters differ super intensely. Mm. Um. But I actually think the hardest acting role to get right is Harper. Hmm. Um. Yes, I think playing the Valium addict, yep. playing the is really yep. fine line. I think it's really hard to 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 be to have people empathize with you, and I think it's also really hard to not just dive into the like I'm on drugs thing when you're an actor. You know, I right. think it it's that's a hard one. And
2: I think that's what I like so much about. Uh, Mary Louise Parker in the HBO series is that she she doesn't it's and I think you get I think it it might be a little easier on film because you can you can you can you can down you can turn down your energy and kind of lean into it but it's the one criticism that I found in reading reviews of multiple productions over the years Mm -hmm. is that it's like, Oh, this character is one note, this character. And I'm like, that character is not one note. It's just, it's just that hard to fucking play.
0: It is. And I've seen it in a thousand scene studies where people try to (laughs) tackle it. And every time the note from the director, every time is like, you seem too on drugs or you're not, 're You've obviously never taken Valium, like yeah. you know that's sort of always the right, and it's like go take some Xanax and like sit on the fucking like couch for an hour and then read the scene you know yeah, yeah. and I've heard a actual I've heard an actual director say that to somebody and like no no, like go take some bars and like, just like figure it out. I well, got
1: that note once in in college where I was supposed to be drinking throughout the scene, and this was before I even touched alcohol yeah. and I was like, I was like downing glasses of grape juice. I was hardcore Lutheran and hand raising Jesus freak. Um, I was downing glasses of grape juice and we were doing, it was, it was women of Manhattan by John Patrick
3: Mm, Chandler. And when we got to the end of the
1: scene, my teacher was like, "Uh, CJ, you don't drink.
3: <laughs>
0: it's, it's like, like every like, time uh, you no somebody like smoke on stage and you know <laughs> you don't smoke cigarettes you you've never smoke cigarettes you don't anymore. even know how to hold that shit yeah but uh, <laughs> but to me Harper's like that ultimate but CJ you got to play Harper dude
1: Well that's the thing I I my my answer to that question is um for me I want to try out Harper, I'm down for it. Uh, To me, I think the angel would be the hardest, just because to me it's like puck in Midsummer Night's Dream. I think everyone has an idea of how (laughs) that should be, and in my opinion, you have to take a role like that, an angel, and and you need to make you need to make it your own and make it stand out, which is how I would approach it. Which to me, that's the hard thing to figure out, as opposed to maneuvering all the different obstacles that Harper's maneuvering. And she also
0: has to play the homeless person who interacts with Hannah in that one scene. And Emma Thompson fucking blows that scene out of the water. She's great. She's amazing. That's one of my favorite scenes, actually. The whole thing is when Hannah has to be like... Like, no, okay, I understand that you're psychotic, but for one second, can you, like, snap the fuck out of it and, like, talk to me and just, Shut like, tell up me and tell me how
2: to get to Brooklyn.
1: Not
0: have tell me how to get to Brooklyn. She, like, She's <laughs> so <I'm just> like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you just take the D train. Like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> man,
1: what a fun role for her. Oh, man, I want to play that then. After I play Harper. There you go. Then I can play Hannah. Yeah. Well, and
2: then Harper has the monologue at the end, which is uh, the when she's on the plane. Yeah. I just think it... I don't know if there is a, is a more beautiful, perfect. Yeah. Just, just dropping of it all because it just floors me. It floors me reading it. And then every time I've seen it performed, even, even in the first bad production I saw, um, no, that's not true.
0: If you take her arc completely out of the story and if you you decided to write a play just about, her it's about a woman a mormon woman who raised in the faith who's married to a man raised in the faith who is a homosexual and she knows it and she has become agoraphobic and pill addicted to cope with it and Mm -hmm. that's what it's about right and so for her to like step outside to literally leave to literally like get on a plane and say that final monologue is like such a beautiful arc Mm. and every one of the arcs of the, the reason why it's such an amazing seven hour play is because as when it's done as a whole is because you have basically six or more, you could argue plays Oh, six yeah. or more hero arcs taking place oh, in yeah. one single script and that to me as a theater artist is the most exciting fucking like erection inducing <laughs> shit you know like I'm just <laughs> like so for it uh, it is the angel and I am prior and I just have a huge heart on every yeah, time I think about uh, it right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know
2: what uh, you know what struck me in this reading um, mm-hmm. a theme that I I I hadn't Caught before, and maybe it's just getting older. Sure. Um, the the theme of abandonment. Joe mm. abandons Harper. Lo- Lewis been abandons yeah. Pryor. God yeah. abandons all of us. Yeah. Uh, and abandons the angels. We as a country abandon this group of of, of human beings. Yep. Gay mm-hmm. men,
0: and 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 people aff- uh, afflicted by a plague that is yeah. Crazy. And That's right. Yeah. And
2: then on on the flip side you have the dealing with the abandonment yeah and the understanding um uh, of it there's just there's so many um amazing quotes and amazing moments Hundreds throughout of them. that just yeah it's like you know
0: every line is fucking quotable that's what's insane every, you know, yeah yeah yeah
2: it's like i was i was reading one review um and you know the, the infinite quoting and just like you, you can't name a cat little shiba <laughs> <laughs> I just like I was like. What do you think it's gonna do? Of it's like, gonna what do you work. think it's gonna do? You know, but um it's a dog. Uh, did you guys night. have any quotes? Like, hold on, I want to find. Uh, I have
1: some. From- I have
0: tons. I-, I would love to hear y'all's. I didn't actually write any down. Mine are all just ones that like live with me all the time. Like prior talking to Hannah and Perestroika, he says. <laughs> I wish you would just like stick to your demographic so that I don't know the exact quote. I'll find it, but I I wish you would just stick to your demographic. It makes things so much easier. (laughs) And like the (laughs) idea is like, she's just explained like, yeah, I'm Mormon, but I also understand these things about the world. And I'm this person, I'm this way. And he's just like, ugh, why can't you just be like the person I want to hate? Like that makes things easier. And I, that to me was a huge, uh, speaking to the times kind of thing where it's like, we're constantly stereotyping everyone, including dare I say it like policemen or like everyone there's always some some kind of stereotype coming into play when we talk about anybody and for him to literally say it as like one of the most stereotyped uh, subcultures (laughs) of America to be like god I wish you would just like fit in this box so that I could understand (laughs) Mm -hmm. amazing Uh, I want to hear y'all's
2: I think one of the first ones that struck me and um is um I think it's the most prescient uh, is uh, in the new century. I think we'll all be insane. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's the homeless person, right? That's no, the that's, person? that's prior to Belize after he tells him after the whole, he, the whole orgasm
0: scene. Yes. The whole having sex with the, the homeless person also says it to Hannah. Oh, maybe as, as, as they finish. And maybe this is just because I, I had the script in front of me, but I didn't notice this as a difference. Um, in the series Emma Thompson as she like throws down her soup and throws it into the fire and just and just like stops Meryl Streep in her tracks and says in the new millennium or in the new century I think we'll all be insane Aha, and it's like right a beautiful on. fucking moment because she's been kind of crazy and then she says that and you're like oh fuck it's actually one of the bigger early moments in the series that makes you uh, kind of like rethink everything that's going on. Right. I, Oh, that's some good shit. That's some good shit. I want to hear more.
2: Siege. You got one.
1: Well, I have to admit, I read through all of, um, millennium approaches and wasn't taking notes at that minute. So all of my, even though there were a ton because I enjoyed the hell out of reading part one. So good. Um, but I didn't write anything down. So all of mine are from Perestroika. I think I have like three. So if you want to go first, Scott, if you've got some earlier ones, we can go a little more chronologically.
2: Um, yeah, there's, um, there's the one, um, uh, no connections, no responsibilities, all of us following, follow, falling through the cracks that separate what we owe to ourselves and what we owe to love. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, that struck
0: me. Um, my favorite, um, this might be perestroika. I get them confused cause I have it in one book. So I, um, I can't remember exactly, uh, which one it's in, but one of my favorite lines of the whole thing that holds so much weight without being a big line is, and I think an actor could really fuck this up as Joe, when Joe and Lewis are in Central Park and it's late at night, and they've just had the moment, of like you come here often, you know, kind of whatever, and they've they've met there a few times, but he says um, he says, "Can I touch you here?" Mm. And the way he, uh-huh. that I read it the first time, right, is, "Can I touch you here on the face?" Because then the stage direction is he reaches out to touch him, but this time I read it as, "Can I touch you?" here in Central in this, Park.
1: Yeah. Can Ooh. I, a
0: man, touch another man here on the face in Central Park? And Double
1: meaning. That, yeah.
0: And it added this whole other kind of realization to me about what this whole thing's about. And I, I always kind of knew this, but I think as a, theater artists, you get lost a little bit in the like, I want to play this, I want to direct it, I want to work on Mm -hmm. this, I want to make things like it, right? But actually when you zoom out a little bit and you see the bigger themes, it is about sort of the subculture of the gay man and how he, um, or well, just queer people in general also, um, and just their um, uh, needing to be seen and desire to be seen, and the constant not knowing whether or not you societally are able to be what you are in any given moment right Right. so they're standing in fucking central park can i touch you here Uh Mm
1: uh-huh oh
0: god that hit me in a new way this time yeah it was really nice
1: I just um, want to say, if anyone's hearing quiet little meows, it's because my main coon ow. just walked in the door, and I—it's the five minutes out of the day I'm not paying attention to him, so he has to come in here and be like, "What the fuck?"
0: Right. Um, I get it. My cats are <laughs> laying next to me quietly, not being annoying. So mine my are cats being are Obviously, better.
1: <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, they are. Um, I've
2: already eaten the cats.
1: Oh, oh, oh.
2: Wait. Um, anyway, we was should that keep an going. eating
1: pussy joke? Okay. Oh, you said it, not me. Uh, Yeah, fine. Um, Here
2: we go. Here's another quote that's um, pretty early on. Uh Um, You have to reconcile yourself to the world's unperfectibility. Who says that? uh, I... I I th- I can't remember. I didn't write okay. it down. <laughs> okay. These are all, like like ha- hastily okay. handwritten notes. As I'm
0: there's also so many lines in this that are like it, the the thing that I love most about Kushner, especially in, in Angels America, is the kind of shift between like almost Shakespearean, like quotidian, and then the like more like just average everyday people's speech, right? Yeah, and yeah. There are lines that sometimes that stick out to you as like oh I'm reading I'm reading Shakespeare I'm reading like, like, like a philosopher. I'm no longer reading just like a modern playwright, you know? Yeah. And I think that is what excites me most sometimes also as an actor to be like, fuck those words coming out of my mouth. How would they even sound? I don't yeah. know. I can't wait to explore that. No, so for far. sure. Um,
2: oh. I'll give you my last quote and then uh, uh-huh. others can speak. Uh, it isn't easy. Uh, it doesn't count if it's easy. It's the hardest thing. Forgiveness which is maybe where love and justice finally meet. Peace, at least. Lewis oh. says that, yeah. yeah no,
0: Lewis
1: Belize. Says... Oh, Belize. Belize says, Belize says... Well, oh, and I yeah. I only know that because that was one of my quotes. Oh, and, I'm except... sorry. I
2: didn't mean to. No, I no, to...
1: don't be sorry. You didn't know. I think it's great that we picked the same quote. I, yeah. I just started mine out with, a queen can forgive her vanquished foe. It isn't <laughs> easy. Blah, blah, blah. I have to say, like, between, I mean, there were so many... Reasons to love the characters in this, uh, but Belize to me, like I just like Belize moral is moral compass, for me. heroic. Like I just. Yeah, Belize was my favorite. I cannot uh, wait for you t- to
0: watch it so that you see Jeffrey Wright. Do it you see Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright was like, also yeah. in the give OG a fucking masterclass. Well, and I know who
1: you're talking to, uh, talking about, so I can't wait to see. He's it also
0: the only carryover from the stage production to the series, mm-hmm. and he. Really? and it's because he won the. Um, was it not the Tony? But he won. Yeah, the, he won the Tony. Uh, the Tony for um, for featured performance. Yeah, uh, this
1: correct. will not be my last time saying this but the best actors you see on screen whether it's television or film are theater actors they're always up. the best people in the philip cast philip seymour and hoffman fuck yes all yep. of the english folks all of it um okay uh, yeah so i, I hear just more have, quotes i just have two more and they're from perestroika uh one one is is roy Cohn. uh you'll find my friend that that you sorry, let me start that over again. Please. You will find my friend that what you love will take you places you never dreamed you'd go.
0: Mm. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. Dr. Seuss, but Dr. Seuss was yeah. a racist. But it's <laughs>
1: well and Roy Cohn wasn't really much I think well he was probably Roy Cohn was
0: probably every form of evil, so
1: <laughs> Yes.
0: I can only assume.
1: Um and then the Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: No, 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 finish and then uh i was gonna digress i
1: can't remember who said this quote uh i'm guessing it's the angel but i don't know uh you should struggle with the almighty
0: (laughs) okay yeah i mean that's legit there's Um, a lot of quotes in those exchanges with the angel that stick out where you're just like oh fuck." well and
1: i also love the shit with the angel where like the angel comes down and they're they're huge and saying all these big sweeping like they're saying stuff that you're like is that from the bible and it's huge and they're amazing and wings and blah 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 and then it's like oh i pulled my hammy yeah in that oh fight. that like, shit is
0: hilarious yeah
1: just shit She's like just that like, i fucking love
0: now if you will please let go of me for i have pulled my hamstring <laughs> 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 no and, and
2: and you and i think that's the brilliant i i saw uh watched an interview with with kushner where he talks about you know, if you can't write a joke, you shouldn't be a playwright. And yeah. <laughs> I think that, I Amen. think it's the it, I think it's the other brilliant thing about this is that you forget how funny it is. It's so funny. like Pryor drops some fucking hilarious G-bom. lines. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. And, one
0: of the best is when she said she was like, "That was whatever orgasmata." You know, he's like, <laughs> "Well, yeah, no doubt." But yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> It's so true, Good shit. but it's, it's,
2: it's this fantastic, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're talking, you're, you're writing a play about a apocalypse. You're writing a play about a plague. You're, you're writing a play about broken hearts and, and, and yeah. failed bodies and failed gods and, and, failed, faith. Uh, and failed faith and failed faith. And and you can't sustain that for six hours yeah. without these insane re- release valves of humor and these quips that just, like, they pop. Like, you can just feel them pop. And, and I um, would say
0: that one of the biggest differences between the series, the miniseries and the show, I mean, and the play, are that, um, that exactly, that Mike Nichols actually leans a little further into the comedy sometimes. He goes a little more absurd with it sometimes, whereas, mm. like... When you read it, it says like Harper has snacks in the, in the Mormon, you know, (laughs) but then in Mike Nichols version, she's like covered in shit, tons of Cheetos and snacks and Pop Tarts. It's like, it's like everywhere. Right. He like takes it all a little bit to the next level. And I think he needed to do that, to punch it up a little bit for TV. Um, but I've heard, I read a couple of different reviews that were kind of slamming it for that. They were like, no, the, the dryness and the, the sort of like the little bits of humor that come through in the play, he's hitting them too hard in the show. And I, I argue that actually he kind of has to do that to punch it into you TV. You have to. World, right? Yeah. But because some of the subtlety is what makes it so good in mm-hmm. the play. And I, I think that's, that's just like speaks to Kushner in general. Um, can I say one other thing yeah. uh,
2: just was g- going back to Nichols and, and the yeah. film. The, the only thing that kind of bugged me in watching it this time is that it doesn't feel like it's the 1980s. There's something mm. about the sure, production sure, sure. design. Like there's moments where you see like an old school television that has Ronald Reagan, you know, talking in the background and it's like right. 1980s, but the style of it, it Oh, you know I meant to I meant to bring this up earlier. Do you know what I absolutely do not despise about the HBO series in this most recent mm-hmm. rewatch? What? The fucking score. Of all oh. the music that's talked oh. about throughout the thing, I think that that score is the most dead-eyed, sounds like it was 1994 instead of 2004, like it's okay, it's, but the opening for.
0: theme is incredible. I, I,
2: not for me, and not for me. I just think and, it, he, and, he references. It's, so good. it's, nah, it's just, nostalgic and, and I, for me. I, I think I, more I, than I, anything, it's more maybe, nostalgic. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Um, and I like Thomas Thomas Newman was the composer, and I like most of his stuff, but like, yeah. Um, it just it just fell flat, and I'm like, here's a play that literally if it doesn't mention it in the in in the dialogue it yeah. he talks about it infinitely i'm like you you have this world of music to pull from i thought it could have been more of a jukebox score i guess is is for sure i think it's
0: it's, it's definitely living thing. in the realm of like the american beauty soundtrack right mm-hmm. which is like mm-hmm. only a yeah. few years before where it's like yep. pulling at that kind of like it... That sort of floating... You know, like, yeah. yeah 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 exactly where it's like trying to it's trying to make an ethereal kind of vibe to reality. I, I I agree. I, I, I don't disagree at all. I do. I think that opening theme holds a nostalgic place in my heart in a lot of ways. Then then Um, I won't,
2: then I won't, then I won't denigrate it any further.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I I don't mean that. I just, (laughs) no, no, no. Go
1: ahead,
0: Siege. Yeah.
1: It's one more theme that I think, especially after we have discussed it and now I'm going to pay attention when I watch the series Um, Another theme that I kind of took away from this play, this set of plays is what are you living your life for? Mm. So you've got Roy Cohn, who he's an evil piece of garbage motherfucker, but that dude lived his life hard until the second he fucking died. He
0: he, he ate everything around him. Yeah,
1: He harassed. He I
0: mean, consumed- he literally says it, right? He's like, I, w- I w- went all the way to the end until Ethel died. Like, I-, I did everything in my fucking power. I did not sleep. I did not until she fucking died, and then I slept.
1: Like- and, then, and then you have Joe, you have this Mormon couple who they are living for the afterlife. Yeah. So Joe is constantly, you know, acting like someone that he's not. When he mm-hmm. is clearly, you know, he he should be living this other life, but he wants to be quote unquote good and get to heaven. Yeah. So that's just something that has struck me Not as we've well, discussed.
2: Well, and and the 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 sadness of Roy Cohn, the fact that he had to hide who he and what he was, and that he's mentoring right. Joe, and that Joe rejects that at a point and yeah. try and and makes an attempt to embrace you know, who and what he is, you know,
0: at the expense. But then also at the same time, like, has that scene with Lewis where Lewis fully calls him on and is like, you're no better. Like, yeah. you you want to mm-hmm. be the nicest person on the planet, like Roy says, but you are just him in a totally, in a different shell, right? Um, that actually brings me to Lewis. Can we talk, yeah, about-, talk about Yeah, let's talk about Lewis. Yeah, let's do it.
2: Because he's it, clearly that, Kushner, right? He's Kushner. He, there he's you go. He's Kushner.
0: So what I love about the... The the character of Lewis and this is in the writing and it's in the um, Shankman performance of it. It's like it's just fully like in the series. I mean, it's it's fully there in the text. Um, I love the fact that he is basically two totally different people when he is with prior or Belize and with then he is when he is with Joe. Mm. Right. And it's a power dynamic shift thing. Right. So whenever he's Mm -hmm. with prior or he's with Belize, he's whining, he's over talking, he's doing this sort of like, Oh, but I feel so much guilt and I feel all these things and everything's awful. And like, I'm going to over talk and like sort of just, uh, I'm insecure. Everything's bad. I feel so bad about leaving you. I got to leave you. I'm going to leave you and then whenever he's with joe in every single scene he's in even in the scene that we did at the beginning where he's crying he finds this confidence and this like this kind of power over joe that makes him in those scenes almost feel like a totally different person where he's, he's not a baby anymore. That's right. And he gets to be the one who understands homosexuality, whereas Joe doesn't. And therefore I am in that power position and the scene where he, you know, he puts his um, hands down his pants and they're talking about the, the tastes and the smells, the smells and the copper and the chlorine. And the chlorine and yeah, and some yeah. One sexy of my shit. favorite fucking some scenes of theater ever. Shit. Easily one of my like, like early sexual Salt. arousals. Like, yeah, (laughs) uh, well and
1: i actually in the middle of reading these plays i was like this was written for hbo this is so hbo
0: (laughs) yeah i mean and you know he did adapt everything and so he gave full like license to mike nichols but he did write the screen the the uh, teleplay um Mm -hmm. for it all and whatever but yeah it has those hbo moments it even goes as far as to like Strip the clothes off of the angel when they have sex, and so whereas in the play you wouldn't maybe go that far. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has its HBO moments, but um
1: <laughs> or Cinnamax.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> I just feel like you know, it was has this extremely exciting for any actor, really, but also just as a reader, this really exciting um, way of of how he is either in control of or not in control of a scene, and that to me is not necessarily as difficult as like Harper or, or the angel or anything like that, but it is exciting as an, as an actor. I, I if I was Jewish, I would love to play that role, but yeah,
2: no, no. I mean, it's, it's, um, it, it's also, I think, I think it's the second hardest part of the play. Um, for all the, for all of the tracks and, and, and the complexities of playing those characters, he can come off as, um, it's just an asshole.
0: Yeah. It's As just a cowardly, cowardly
2: asshole. Yes. And, it's and, well, and he, he learns like from it.
0: in America.
1: Oh, my yeah. God.
2: Oh, God. <laughs> um, so good. And that, the, the monologue about, at the diner about the, yes. the, his favorite, uh, his favorite dime novel and, um, oh, my God. Lo- uh, love Isn't Ambiguous and, um, it absolutely I'm is. I'm pretty sure I read that in a
0: in a novel that I read recently. It's about uh, a woman and she's in love with this black man named Thaddeus and Thaddeus. Of, <laughs> yeah. her, her name her name is Margaret. Her, her her father owns a plantation and she's in love with the head oh, slave. God. And it is like but it's like the perfect monologue it where is. you're just and and every one of these moments where it decides to just settle on a person and let them fucking speak are the most incredible parts of this whole play and lewis actually i noticed on this last read he has a hundred monologues but there's never a time where we actually focus in on what he's saying he's always going yeah and this thing I feel, and this thing i feel but then the only time we actually listen to lewis in my opinion as an audience the first time that we really get to hone in on him and it goes silent and it's just him talking and no one is part of it is when he's praying over roy
1: yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes. So. The fucking over good. Roy's body. Yeah. With Belize. And Belize <laughs>
0: is taking the AZT. Oh, and he's fuck. just like, I, we're going to thank him for the medication. <laughs> Go say a fucking Kodash over him. I,
1: I am a fucking dweeb for religious ritual. It's just, I mean, it's all ancient paganism. It's all fucking magic. But god damn, I love that shit. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's really good, though.
2: Because it's theater is ancient ritual.
1: Mm-hmm. So.
0: I'm, yeah. Yeah. I
2: uh we you know i don't know how much longer we want to go on that but because we can we can easily get into the go all the, day but the, te- the depth of the i mean that's the thing that's the miraculous thing if 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 you're listening to this and you haven't gone and just sat down and reread uh these two plays do yourself a favor because you it's, have to and i think it's you know um I, there was a review that I read about um in regards to the the uh, revival in 2018 uh, with Nathan Lane as Roy Cohn. He won right. the Tony.
0: <gasps> really? Oh so, uh, yeah. He won the Tony. There's good and, YouTube of it. You should check it out, Siege.
2: And then Andrew Garfield also won the Tony yeah. playing Prior. Um yeah. yeah, there's some good YouTube of it. But um one of the things that, that this this critic was talking about was, you know, walking in coming of age at a time and and i i'm i have to be roughly the same age as the critic but like like the, there was a gospel and a reverence that surrounds angels in america with good yeah. reason mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but it For is sure. but it is alive and breathing i think that's why he continues to work on it but there's a moment you know when the aim when the angel, and then the angels—you uh, know the whole the whole committee. <laughs> uh, and they bring up I Chernobyl. And they bring up Chernobyl. <laughs> but when they when they um, when they start talking about and and pleading and trying to order humans to stop moving, stop moving, stop stop moving, and th- that's the the heroic moment. It, it is when Pryor rejects that notion rejects the notion that human beings even have the capability of stopping, stop moving, like, in a, a physical, evolutionary kind of way. And I f- feel like that that's the, the play itself. Like, it embodies everything for me, you know? And yeah. Because the whole play ends with the great work begins. <laughs> yeah.
3: And it's such a striking mm-hmm.
2: thing. And it's so, like, because I, I cranked through... I cranked through i took i did it in two nights rereading it and man i was exhausted because it's it's a hell of a read like just just dealing with the stage directions and the specificity at moments and then the non specific like there are moments where you read it and as an actor and as a director you go hey tony like give me give me my breathing room here to do my thing for sure and he does that plenty of times but there are times where as the author there's ah. Oh, not to digress too much, but there's a great moment in, uh, the, um, uh, intelligent, um, homosexuals uh, guide. Yeah. Yeah. Intelligent homosexuals guide. And it's a moment that he puts very clearly in the middle of one of those big family, multi 18 characters speaking at one time thing where the sister Cleo comes and puts his, her, like all this stuff is happening. And he clearly takes the time to go. she puts, her hand on his shoulder, and he pats it twice, and it's yeah. such a specific direction, and it makes absolute sense, and it's totally fucking clear what's going on. Yeah. And Angels is just loaded with those moments, but to to go through six hours, you know, I mean, it, it took me longer than that to read it because I'm I'm just slow. Um, but like same here. But the the great work begins at the end of it. It's just this, oh like this, just like. Yeah. moment of of it's um,
0: it is in itself a sexual experience with an angel. Yeah. yeah. I would say even like those final monologues alone are just just such uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> easy ways to point at how Kushner can affect you. Yeah. You know, you can read those without knowing these characters, you can read them without knowing anything else and still be like fuck like the final thing prior says to you it's just like you are all fabulous beautiful creatures like I love Mm -hmm. just the talking to the audience moment at the end it's just so like you sat with us for seven hours yeah like thank you and like you're beautiful for doing that and the fact that you are who you are and made it through this with us you also have now gone on this journey and go forward more life we love you and I was just like
1: the closing I, speech. I
0: ball my eyes out mm-hmm. every time I finish reading it. I ball my eyes out every time I finish watching it. It is.
1: I uh, cried at the end of Perestroika myself. Oh huh?
0: my god! I, today, I, I I decided I was going to watch the finale today before we recorded. So a few hours ago, and I just bawled for a little bit. I was just like, "Yeah, yes, <laughs> you know." It's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful fucking piece of theater. I think we have done it justice. I think we can step off of it a little bit. Is this a good time to get into his movie shit or should we do it in the timeline? Hey guys, so we ended up talking for about three hours and ten minutes about this guy. We like him a lot. So we split it into two episodes. So this was part one. We're going to put part two next weekend. Uh, Be sure to check out our show notes for some LA Theater spotlights that we didn't get to uh, in this first half. And also for some resources on how you can support some black-owned businesses. um, And also uh, supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, We appreciate your listens. Check it out next week for part two two uh, of our Angels in America podcast, Troika. Happy Pride Month, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye.
4: They're in your light, they're in your love. They're in the skies, they come from above. You're hurting now, I know. And one day you'll have to go they'll be there Oh, they'll be there They know your struggles And they know your pain They flow in you They flow through your veins You've reached the end you fear The end it may be near Love's a disease